You're listening to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. Little by little, I was getting the sense of my time isn't my time. Just kept doing this pull to the outdoors and wanting to do something in the outdoor space. Welcome to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and with me today is Tyler and Jenny with Beyond Behind the Blind TV and Beyond the Boundaries, two different groups, two different companies. Excited to hear them. Not only are they the first duo I've had on the podcast, but they're also the first media production company that I've had on the podcast, so I'm excited to hear their story. With that, Tyler and Jenny, how are you guys doing today? Good. Yeah. 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 It was 80 degrees in Minnesota today, though. Not not too happy about that. We're ready for the cooler weather. So. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in Minnesota now as well. Um, Last two weeks I was in Montana. The week before we got there was like 99 every day. It was miserable. Yeah. We had like 70s, which is still hot for archery elk hunting. And I saw you guys were out west antelope hunting. I'm sure you guys got into some heat, too. Yeah, it was like 100 degrees the first week we went out. And then the second time we went out, it was like, you know, like 70? 70 or 80. And then after that, then we went Idaho elk hunting, and that was like highs in the 60s. So that was perfect. Yeah. Nice. Have you had any success on any of those trips so far? I think I lost track after the first antelope hunt because then I was out of reception for a couple weeks. <laughs> hey, those are the best kind of weeks, though. Um, we, I had the antelope tag. We went out two different um, trips this year. We weren't planning to go on the second one, but I took a shot at an antelope at 70 yards. Had a lot of good encounters, um, but I did not. No, I mean, out in Idaho, they were not bugling whatsoever. We got, we got one bull to bugle, and we went in the next morning and we dropped in probably 1,500 feet on them. And he bugled, but it was really quiet, and it ended up being, he was bedded down, that's why it was so quiet. So when I dropped down, I dropped down like 50 yards, and before I knew it, I was within 50 yards of this big six by six bull that was bedded. And he didn't, he didn't do anything, he just kind of stood up, and I could see like just the crest of his back. And then he looked at me, and he just trotted down, down the canyon. That was, that was, the only bull that we saw in a week yeah our trip wasn't much better we saw a lot of elk because there was a like a tree line that we could glass above and that's where they wanted to feed but we had the same experience hardly any bugles i mean we couldn't even buy a bugle we got into one herd one night that was bugling a lot on their own but they had like no interest in us we managed to peel off a spike but spikes aren't legal in montana so um, we didn't bring home anything either so that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> There's always next year, I guess. But. Yeah, always next year. So before we get too far along, how did you guys, I suppose, I usually ask how did you get in the outdoors, but with your story, I'm a little bit more interested in how did you get in the outdoors and then how did you guys meet and start a, a combination business doing this together? Because I think that's what it's not going to be in a lot of people's minds hearing your story is how do I start a a hunting company with my wife, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my husband. So give us a little insight. Yeah. Um, I guess, well, we'll each tell our own story, I guess, about how we got into the outdoors because we're both a little different. Um, 
I grew up just north of the cities in Minnesota, um, and I grew up hunting with my dad. So my dad was the one that primarily taught me how to hunt. Um, we did deer hunting and pheasant hunting, um, occasionally did turkey hunting, and that was all with a gun, um, no bow hunting. And when I turned 18, I developed my own interest in bow hunting, and I asked for a bow for my birthday, got my first bow, um, was super jacked about it. And then I went off to college um, that year, right, um, like when I was 18. And when I was, gosh, I guess like six months later is when I met you. And he was obviously already very into archery hunting. I'll let him tell his own story. Um, but then it kind of took off from there. And anything that I know now hunting related um, was pretty much taught through him and Besides, I mean, that your typical like rifle deer hunting and that kind of thing, but um, yeah, he definitely taught me a lot. And it's one of those things that, like, from a woman's perspective, like, if you're a male figure and you meet a female that's interested in the outdoors, like, being able to describe and like truly teach them and not pressure them, you know, to to do things the right way and. Like, we really just want to learn and we want to get outdoors just as much as they do. And just because we're a girl, we shouldn't be treated any differently. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I think um, you got to, a lot of people probably find a girlfriend that wants to get into hunting. And you have to realize you got to meet them when, where they are, not where you are. And that might mean right. a couple yeah. blown hunts, that might be in a couple blown stocks, get to the tree yeah. stand and, hey, I forgot the release, you know. Just you got to meet people where they are when you're teaching them how to do something like hunting. You can't assume everyone's just going to instantly be at your level. Yeah, yeah. So I was very thankful to meet him when I did. Um, he got me my first archery deer. He got me my first goose, my first duck. Yeah, lots, lots of firsts. So yeah. Yeah, as far as I go, I mean, I grew up like my dad. He got me into hunting. He rifled deer hunting. They did the typical Minnesota deer camp. Everyone all goes in, they all, you know, drink the deer and they, they go out and have their their rifle hunts and stuff. And um so I have pictures of me as a kid, just like my dad came home from the deer camp and he got like a doe in the back or something. And I hop up in the back of the truck and I'm just like trying to bear hug this deer out of the truck and everything. And, but it was, wasn't until high school, I mean, I, like, my uncles would bow hunt, but they never really, like, I never went bow hunting with anyone. I was just kind of like, well, I'm going to buy a bow because then my season's longer. <laughs> and so I went out and I bought my first Fred Bear bow, just one of those ready-to-hunt packages, and um, I had a ground blind. In like a folding chair, and that's how I started. I just went out in the river bottoms in the cities, and I would just set up my, my blind, and I never got anything, so I was always waiting on a buck. And then it wasn't until like first year of college, and I was like, God, I just need to shoot something. So I shot my first doe, I just let her go, and then it was that first year that I met Jenny, and then she was like, I asked her, I was like, Are you into bow hunting? And she was like, Well, I have a bow. I like bow hunting. I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on a deer. And I had, she wanted a ladder stand because portables are a little bit sketchier getting into, and she likes the ladder. So then 
I carried this ladder stand like a mile back, all the way back into this. There's like a trail coming out of the swamp, and I knew there was nice deer there, and I knew there was a lot of deer. So I put up this ladder stand, and then I was like, okay. I walked her back, and I was like, shoot the first deer you see. Like you're gonna, you're gonna want to shoot a deer, and then call me. I'll be like ten minutes up the trail this way, and I walked that way, and it wasn't. We weren't in the stand an hour, and she called, and she's like, oh god. This deer came in and I smoked it. I think I smoked it. I was like, okay, stay in the stand and I'll come and I'll walk over there and then we'll look for your arrow and everything. And it was like a five minute walk and I get over there and she's already down, like going all around in circles and everything looking for her arrow. And we found the arrow and it was a nice blood trail. And then after like a couple hundred yards, it went to pins and needles and we like, we searched for like an, over an hour to find the next good blood, and it was we found it. And that deer traveled a mile, even though it was it was a steep downward angle shot. But she hit at least one lung and some of the arteries, but he just went very far. It was a spike. That was her first mm-hmm. first archery deer, and yeah, I mean the rest is history. Then she was like interested in going on everything else. It was it's fun. But, that's awesome. It's funny you mentioned you started off at the ladder stand because um, we have some private land in Minnesota too, and, and we have a couple of, like, I don't know what they call them, box blinds, huts, you know, elevated box yeah. blinds. And so those were easy to bring Abby, my fiancé, with. But then yeah. I really wanted to, you know, part of the season gets there where you really want to be hunting, like, on the X, and that's like tree stand stuff. And so I bring her into this tree and it's my favorite tree, but it's not a fun tree to get into. And I'm six two. So this thing, I'm trying to get up as high as I can with four sticks. She's five, three, never climbed into a tree before. And so she's like doing the vertical splits, trying to get to the next step. And she's like looking up at me and I'm looking down at her. I'm like, I promise you can do it. Like, you're great. You got it. And I'm like, she's yeah. not having a good time. And she gets into the tree and she's like, I don't like this. but it turned out we had a doe come out and she had like a 17 yard shot with the bow and uh she did everything perfect i had it on film the doe just ducked her arrow and we had a big problem with that on the farm so uh, we had to wait till gun season she uh got her first shot at a deer she shot a five point i think it's a five point five or six point i was in charge of bringing the shooting stick because we were gun hunting out of tree stands again and she's left-handed and not, you know, she doesn't shoot a lot of scope, like shotguns. And so my only job was to bring the snacks and the shooting stick. And I forgot the shooting stick. So she freehanded her first deer out of a tree stand. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So pretty cool. Well, at least you remember the snacks. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the snacks, although we didn't need them because she <laughs> shot the first buck that came in. Yeah. <laughs> and then she went back to, like, studying for the rest of the weekend. So (laughs) yeah, she was in pharmacy school when we met. Now she's a resident. So now she doesn't get to hunt quite as much, but still enjoys it. Kind of a very similar story to you, Jenny. Um, You know, hunted a little bit with her dad growing up, a little bit of bow hunting, not as serious as I was when we met. And so then, you know, she's been taken along. I think up until that deer, all she, all her first consisted of like first blisters, first brutal hike for sheds without finding anything, you know, first uh, snowstorm, first uh, a lot of things. First time we went camping and didn't bring blankets in the Badlands, and it got down to like thirty degrees that night. Oh yeah, yeah. So we've had similar 
more stories too. So that's awesome. You guys touched on one thing briefly that I was really curious to ask you about. You know, a lot of people, you know, you meet a lot of people and half of them seem to be on one side of the fence and half of them seem to be on the other side of the fence. And it's either, I wish I could find a girl that likes to hunt and fish as much as me. Or they're like, I think it's kind of cool that she does, but I don't want her to come all the time. I still want my my time. I still want guy time. And I'm really curious to hear both of your perspectives on that topic. You know, where do you guys stand? Do you hunt together all the time? Do you sit in different trees like your first hunt? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's kind of a mix of both. I mean, we're definitely, I'd say, like, I'd consider us a hunting duo for sure. Like, we, we go on a lot of hunts together, especially, I mean, like, our out west trips, those are always going to be together. We like to find, like, groups of friends to go with, too, if we can, if they have tags, too, just because it's always fun making memories with friends that way. Um but as far as like around here, like Minnesota whitetails and stuff, it's kind of a mix. Sometimes we'll go out together and sometimes like I'll go out in the morning and he's going to work or it's the opposite way around and he's going out and I got to get something done at home. So it's a little bit of both. I actually shot my first doe um, this year solo. So by myself, I was in the tree stand on a solo hunt and I've never harvested a deer on my own and that was a whole different perspective that I'm very thankful for um but it's always fun to hunt together so yeah as far as it goes like yeah going out last that's together thing and then around here she kind of has like a fully remote job teaching so she kind of made her schedule so she can go out in the morning if she wants to whereas I work construction full-time so I go to work and I pretty much, I can hunt on the weekends unless I get off at a decent time during the week. So now it's kind of split where she'll go on her own and I'll go on my own. But on the weekends, if she's around, we'll probably go out at the same time. But it's like, if I go out on my own, I would, I could go out at like noon and literally just like scout my way in and find some good sign to set up on. Whereas I think you would too, but it's, it's a lot to be out there that long. Yeah, I'd much rather just be out there like a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, just one of the, I'm going to be there like five minutes before the deer. Let's wrap this thing up. Get yeah, up. right. Yeah. Where are you at? Big dog, come on in. Okay. So if you're scouting your way in, does that mean you're hunting mostly public or new spots? Or uh, Yeah, yep. I... I, I do a lot of scouting on public pieces and try to find like the overlooked spots and everything. And, um, I mean, this year we actually switched. I'm surprised by this, but we sw- we both switched to saddles. Like I should have switched a long time ago, but I'm surprised she went from a ladder stand to a saddle. So <laughs> it's a big jump for her, but she likes it. So yeah. But as far as public land hunting, we own some acreage but we're actually selling it trying to get to our future like goals of what we want to own in the future and yep. so now we're going back to public land hunting and i like growing up it's all like hunting with public land um i like finding those swamp rocks i like going in deep i mean it's all fun i like chasing public land down yeah i mean that's awesome i I grew up on private and we have 
really good deer densities. We don't have, I mean, we're not in the areas of Minnesota that have monster bucks by any means, but, um, you know, it's easy to go out and see 20 deer a night. And so when you're seeing that kind of numbers on private land and then you switch to like your first dabble with public and you're like, Oh, this isn't so easy. You can't just set up anywhere and see 20 deer a night. I got turned off for a long time until I met some great friends in in the Fargo Moorhead area that were just putting in hours scouting, but they were finding monster bucks on public, way bigger bucks in North Dakota public than I had ever seen on our private farms. And that really turned me back on to hunting public land. Once we, once we did that. So now I dabble. I'm in the Twin Cities right now until we're done with residency and we find out where we land. So I don't know if I'm going to start hunting Twin Cities publics, but I might I might dabble with some Wisconsin publics. Yeah, I might know a few spots in the Twin Cities. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the problem is so do a lot of other people. All right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so you, you said you're a huge fan of the saddles. Wish you would have switched sooner because I've been thinking about the saddle, the tethered system. I see you got a tethered hat on, so I assume that's the one you got. Yeah, yeah. we got we both bought the. We were out at uh, Big Sky Total Archery Challenge, and we um, kind of looked at the stand and I said, "You know what? Screw it. We got we got to do it." So we bought the whole systems out there. They were running the deal. Other guys are awesome. You sit there and talk hunting with them all day. Did you talk to like Ernie himself and like the owners? Yep. Yep. And we actually ran into them at, uh, we talked to them at the APA show last year too. We were big partners with Arctic Shield and so we were there with Arctic Shield. And so we, we talked to them then and then we sat on it for like six months and we're like, okay, yeah, we're going we're gonna to switch to a saddle. Okay. Cause I, I talked to Ernie at the Minnesota Deer Expo and I actually am try. I need to get him on the podcast. He said he was down. I just haven't reached out to him yet. And now everyone's busy, so it might not happen. But I, I'm on the fence, too. I really want to switch. I don't want to switch mid-season. I'm a big dude. Probably can't tell that, but I'm like 6'2", 260. So I want some <laughs> practice before I hang myself off a tree limb by a rope. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely good to practice. That's what we did. So, And I will say it's a game changer, like, if you're into filming your hunts and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, especially part um carrying them with those fourth arrow camera arms, like the whole system just works really smooth. Yeah, I've heard it's a lot easier to film out of a saddle. I used to try to film out of tree stands, and I, I gave it up because it was so hard to solo film, get the shot, get the um, framing right, and then be able to, you know, obviously bowing hard enough as it is to, to just shoot the deer, much less try to get make sure the film is all squared away. So I, I gave that up, but that's a good segue how long have you guys been doing the filming and the behind the blind TV? Did you do it since you've started hunting or since you started together or that come later? Um, well, that was, like, I started kind of filming my hunts back in, like, as soon as I went to college, I went with just like the basic, like, GoPros and stuff like that. And then she wants, she likes photography a lot. That went back in freshman year so it was like like 2015 and so she got we got her a camera because we went out for like a vacation out to the black hills and i was like gosh it'd be nice to film our hunts with that and she was not bringing her nice camera out yet but here we are now we got like way nicer cameras and they're both out in the field all the time <laughs> yeah when um when we were in college i we both 
I've always had an interest in photography for sure. Um, and then I started doing like some family sessions. I opened my own photography business. We called it Rustic Trips Creative. Um, and then we slowly got into bigger and bigger things. Um, and so then we were doing weddings and I was bringing him with me. So I needed a second shooter. Um, and then he eventually pretty much just got sick of weddings and he was like, I'm not doing this. I don't want to film, film this anymore. Um, so occasionally I still do a wedding every now and then. I actually just did one this weekend for videography. Um, but our, our true passion is doing photography and film for, for hunting and, and outdoor brands, partnering with them too. Um, it's a huge part of our success and, and our growth. So, yeah. Arctic Shooting, that's um, one of the bigger companies that we work with, we actually just, they're releasing their new catalog in the next couple of weeks, and they actually had us do all of the, the film with them, photography and videography of their new products. So. That's awesome. I, that's awesome. Sorry, I was on mute. Um, you think two years <laughs> of working from home, I'd be better at hitting the mute button on time. um i think that was one of the things that drew me to your guys's channel was your photography quality the the pictures that you guys were posting on instagram you know this past shed season i was like who is taking like professional grade photos of sheds i mean you guys were getting like your frame where it was so fast you were getting snowflakes in there and you know the the lighting i mean I, i understand enough about photography to know when you're doing it right but I don't know enough about it to make sure I'm always doing it right. So I saw that and that's what <laughs> kind of drew me to your guys' channel and eventually reached out. I think we connected about shed hunting in the, in the grasslands and, and uh, went yeah. from there. But yeah, I, I definitely noticed the photography side of it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely hundred percent self-taught. So everything we've learned, we just learned through experience and teaching each other. He's really, he does really well in the videography aspect, whereas I consider my strong suit is more photography. And so together we, we make it work. And yeah, there's definitely sometimes I will say when you get into a business with your significant other, where like we're uploading photos on the Lightroom and then he'll edit one and want to post it right away. And I maybe get a little frustrated on the way it looks and it could, could be edited a little differently, but um, no, it's, it's been a lot of fun and we're glad to be in it together. And yeah. Excited to grow with it. That's awesome. How did you start working with the brands and doing content creation for a brand? Did you reach out? Did they come to you? Did you know people in the industry? That's probably a pretty interesting aspect of someone wanting to get into content creation. Yeah, definitely a good question. Um, that actually takes us takes us back to Arctic Shields. So like in college, so we went to Bemidji State. Well, she did two years at St. Cloud. And then she transferred to Bemidji, um, and I went to Bemidji State my, 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 the whole time. And so Arctic Shield actually had a ice house, like a portable ice house. And like, I had that ice house. It was a thermal one. It worked awesome. And so I would like take pictures and just like, you know, on the phone and whatnot. And, um, so I had like some of their first products and then I just kept tagging them and stuff, and after we started getting into photography a little more, the quality went up, and so I kept tagging them, and um, I can't remember, did I reach out to them? I can't remember. I think, 
I had reached out to them a little bit, and then I think they came back at us and were like, hey, we would like to bring you guys on as staff or whatever, like, here's your deal, like, we'll do this for you, and then you can just provide us content. And it's blossomed ever since. Like, now we work with Onyx Hunt, we work with all sorts of different brands, and the more you, you help these brands, then other people start to notice, and we've had other brands reach out to us about, hey, we would like you to work with us type of deal. That's awesome. I owe many cold nights in the sleeping bag to the Arctic Shield boot covers. I found out really <laughs> fast that if you just wear them without boots, like over your socks to bed in a sleeping bag, my bag will be good to like 20 below. Yeah, I awesome. See, now, now they came out with, they're called slippers. Oh, so God. they're like, they're slippers, but like with the insulated boot, like material in them. Oh, nice. And that's what we actually wore in the mountains in Idaho when it was like 30 degrees at night and they looked yeah. like a charm. They're, they're, they look like a moccasin type of thing, except you just slip it on and like put it right over your wool socks and your feet sweat at night. <laughs> I need to try that. I was shed hunting in February because I was moving and I had one weekend to hit my favorite spot, yet it was going to be like, I think the high one day was six below and then the low was 20 below and I was just going to camp in the truck. I have this air mattress that goes across the back seat and then down where your feet are, so it's like a twin bed. And I just went in there with the sleeping bag and I put the Arctic Shield boot covers over my socks. And then that, not only did they keep my feet warm, but they took up all the extra space in my sleeping bag. So there was like no cold air. Like if you ever roll over and you move your foot and you feel that cold pocket and then you like instantly like clench back up and try to get it tight again. Um, It was great. It worked out flawlessly. And then I could just auto start my truck and warm everything up in the morning before I climbed out. Right. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's pretty cool that you guys were able to work, you know, not only grow with Arctic Shield, but then use that as almost a launch pad into working with other people in the industry. Yeah, and that actually, our, one of our other biggest ones is definitely Shields, too. We, we started that partnership last year um, where archery sponsored athletes through them. So they're very good to us, and we, we have a really good relationship with them. And we work directly with the Eden Prairie store. Um, but that was kind of something where we reached out to them and asked them if they were interested in a partnership, and um, they they were. So. Awesome. Are you guys still in the Twin Cities area, or did you move out farther away? We are in southwest Minnesota. Okay. We're in a very small town of like 90. Is that near Marshall, Minnesota then? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we're about we're 30 minutes southeast of Marshall. Okay. Yeah, you're way down there. Yeah, yeah. we're we're an hour, an hour from Iowa and an hour from South Dakota. Okay. Cool. If you had to give like one tip to an inspiring photographer that, you know, their dream would be to work with brands, what would your one tip be for them to go out and work on? I would say storytelling. Like always make sure, like if you're like for us like, I mean, the reason we do what we're doing is, like, we want to capture memories for our own sake, too. I mean, we love working with brands. We love sharing with everyone else and, you know, telling people, like, everyday people can go out and do this, too. Like, we are just everyday people. You know, we're not your big wigs. We're nothing like that. And so, 
I think just being able to tell a story through like one photo is the world. Like even like when I shot that doe a couple, last week, I took a picture of um, my broadhead going through like my bloody broadhead um, and like the bloody spine and that kind of thing. And just seeing it like, you know, in the grass and like, I look at that, that picture and to me, I can tell a story through it kind of a thing. And, um, and yeah, just, just doing that and keep shooting through. <laughs> that would be my tip, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a good tip. I think people focus on so much on just getting good pictures. And and it sounds like what you're saying is like, that's just the start. Like, you, you're not going to make it anywhere if you don't take good pictures. But just a good picture alone, like just because it's clear and it's in focus and you have the lighting right, is just the beginning. Yeah. That just opens the door. Now you have to do something with that quality photo. You know, tell a story, yeah. make people interested. Right. And I mean, every photo, like when I look at photos, you know, I... I see the mood, I see the season, I see, you know, what's happening. Like, there's there's so much to even just one photo. And videos, too. I mean, videos, you can really tell a story with that. Um, but definitely, like, photography would be the area to start, I think, in my opinion. And the biggest thing I would say is, like, when somebody goes out and buys, like, a DSLR, like, they, they feel safe using the auto, the auto setting. It's like, go into your aperture priority, go into your, your shutter priority, go to manual and just start messing around. Like, you can take a hundred really bad photos before you get, you realize, oh, hey, I should be doing this with my aperture or I should be having a faster shutter or something like that. And then you can really start to learn how to use your camera, basically. Yeah, I had my camera for two years before I realized that vivid color setting didn't work when you're in fully auto. And so I'm yeah. taking all these pictures and they just come across as a little bit bland. And it's like, what's what am I missing here? And then eventually I was like scrolling through and I realized like my vivid color wasn't turned on if I'm shooting in fully auto. I have to go to programmed auto if I want to get that. And so I was like, oh, well, there you go. Well, at the meantime, I was switching over to just shooting everything in some sort of manual. Usually I'm doing um, shutter priority because I'm trying to get, yeah. you know, wild game shots. Things move. You want to make sure you can get that in focus and then just keep your ISO as low as you can get away with, right? You know, and so I learned the most just bored in a tree stand watching does out in the food plot and just taking picture after picture. So if you look at my SD cards, it'll be like, a hundred pictures of a doe, the same doe, and then like two <laughs> pictures of the buck that comes out. Cause then I'll like take two good pictures quick, put the camera away, get ready to see if I'm going to take a shot or, you know, do I have to get my bow out and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Another, I mean, you can, you can go buy a thousand dollar camera and you can buy a $2,500 camera. But honestly, the money, like the money is, the money that you spend on your glass, your lens, is going to be the biggest difference in your quality of pictures. Oh, yeah. So if you're looking to make an investment, I would say definitely invest in the glass. In like, the lenses. If you have X amount of money, and you, I would say, spend less on the camera and more on the lens. Yeah, that's 
Well, I did a kit to start with, but yeah, now I'm looking at getting that next set of lenses. I want to get a, I want to get something for like a fisheye, not quite full fisheye, but more like landscape pictures, like scenics. And then I want to get yeah. what I'd love is a nice quality. I've seen a couple of them, nice quality. Like they've got 18 to 400s now. I think Tat Tamron has one. Yeah. Which would be like mm-hmm. a perfect for like Western hunting because it's like I'm only gonna pack one of these dumb lenses with me all day long, and if I'm only gonna pack one, I want to be able to take some close-ups and I want to be able to take some of an elk 300 yards away. So that's mm-hmm. always been my challenge is how because I can hang my camera off my shoulder strap. I use a cotton carrier. I'm sure you guys have heard of it, uh-huh. but yeah. I can't switch lenses very fast. You know, then I have to take my pack off. I have to give up my bow hand. I mean, I got to do a lot of things to switch a lens. And that's, that was always my pressure point out West. Yeah. Trying to figure out like the right lens to use for the right situation is tricky. I always, I have my own go-to lens that I pretty much use for a lot of the stuff that I shoot with. And then I always put, like the next second best lens in my pack with me. And I use a cotton carrier, that chest harness, especially if I'm not hunting, um, like when he had the elk tag and that worked like a charm. So. Perfect. If, if you guys could look ahead, maybe like five years, what would be like a great place that you could look back on and be like, yes, we made it. Or like, what's the goal with the behind the blind TV? specifically like where where would you love to take this thing and see it grow into well eventually like right now we both have full-time jobs and we always say we want to work for ourselves we want to you know i think that's everybody's dream is to work for themselves um but we're we're slowly getting there each year we get closer and closer and um we're we're kind of ramping up things with our own business and building the website and getting some merch out there and trying to grow there's so many different like social media channels to grow on and that kind of thing too but our biggest thing is like we want to be represented as like everyday hunters like you know your everyday people and so doing that in the right way without getting too far into like the politics of the outdoor industry i would say and doing that smart i think would be where we like five years from now like working on our by ourselves, for ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I we're always going to enjoy like filming our hunts and making videos for people to watch and everything like that. But it'll also be nice, like, our, it'd be nice for like one day, like bigger companies to reach out to us and be like, "Hey, we got some new products coming out. We would love for you guys to do this for us." Type of deal, and we would. That's how we want to build behind the blind a little bit. Yeah, that, that'd be great. I met some people randomly on an Oklahoma goose hunt, friends of friends, and we went to dinner in their house New Year's Eve, and then we we're going to goose hunt in the morning. And I walked by an office that had the door open, and, it, you know, I did the whole double take because it was, like, an entire storefront of Sitka. Like, every every piece, every color, everything. And I'm like, whoa. And the I, I don't know if it was the like the, the the couple themselves i think it was actually a friend and they said yeah they they have a partnership with sitka they're shooting the a lot of content for the launch of the the subalpine color pattern and so they sent like everything and just said hey take as much pictures as you can i was like of all the partnerships in the world that would be the one i would want if i could only pick one <laughs> yeah oh uh, yeah that's funny yeah we're as far as for us for, for partnerships we always try to you know 
partner with brands that we use a lot and, you know, we share the same values and missions and that kind of thing too. So, you know, hopefully one day we can reach those bigger brands. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Can't wait to see it happen. Um, I I did want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Beyond the Boundaries. Give us a rundown of what you guys are doing with Beyond the Boundaries. Yeah, so um, I don't know if I quite shared on here, but I have been a teacher for five years. I teach elementary school. Um, I did shift last year with COVID to online teaching, so I teach from home. And that's been kind of a cool experience. Um, But my ultimate goal is to actually step away from that and go full-time with our nonprofit and our nonprofit organizations called Beyond the Boundaries. Um, the mission is basically to get youth back outdoors and providing outdoor education for them. So um, things like printables and like flashcards, all sorts of learning activities that relate to the outdoors. So right now, actually, right before this, I was telling Tyler about it. Um, I We finally hired an illustrator to work with us because I... I'm a big supporter of supporting small businesses too. And she is creating some hunting graphics for us because we're creating a hunting alphabet. So, um, so that way, like preschool children and kindergarten kids can, you know, get exposed to those types of terms and that kind of thing early on. Um, but also you see a lot more homeschooling too happening, um, just with our current society. And so we're hoping to kind of kind of take that up to the rooftops too. And then um, all of our purchases, like monthly purchases, we're gonna pick a another youth nonprofit organization and donate 10% of our profits to to that youth organization. So there's actually one that's right next to us called Returning Our Youth Outdoors. And I already told them they're our first organization we're donating to because they do a bunch of youth outdoor events. Whereas like if we can partner with them and and volunteer our time and donate to them too. And it's all about giving back. It's all about getting those kids outdoors. So. Yeah, I think that's a really cool idea, and you don't see a lot of that at all in in industry, in the marketplace, in you know young kids and their products. Like, when was the last time you saw a, a picture book for kids that had anything to do with hunting or fishing? Exactly. Yep. So, yep. so that's the goal, and. Um, yeah, and we're, I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it. I, I mean, I think it might, you know, push some buttons because, you know, we're representing hunting to the next generation. But uh, I'm really excited about it. And, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really fun. That's yeah. awesome. When did the, when did you start the nonprofit? Um, we officially started it in July this summer. Um, but it's taken, it's actually, I don't know if you know or if anyone listening knows a lot about nonprofits, but you have to file for 501c3 status and do all this paperwork. And so we're now finally um, like able to hire on people and contract services out and that kind of thing. So yeah, we just hired the illustrator this last weekend and we're already getting to work with, with the big things. So. That's awesome. Yeah, I do have a little bit of experience with 501c3s. I think more people should have experience with 501c3s if you're an outdoorsman because they all need help. But, yeah, pretty extensive background in the banquet business. A lot of Pheasants Forever, Rocky Mountain Elk, Mule Deer Mm -hmm. Foundation. I think I'm in the neighborhood of three dozen banquets that I've been a part of already. And then my my brother's actually working on growing his own 501c3 called Youth Outdoor Activity Day just a couple hours north of you guys. And 
really cool thing they're doing out there. They get a bunch of nonprofits to come, and everyone does their own activities. So the Boy Scouts do fire making. The Girl Scouts do outdoor cooking. Um, Rocky Mountain Elk does a BB gun inflatable, like a bouncy house, except you're shooting BB guns through it. Um, they've done tomahawk throwing, bait casting, uh, waterfall, Delta Waterfall, I think, or, or Ducks Unlimited will do like a spread and goose calling. And then they, like everyone pops up and like throws a tennis ball and tries, to, you know, like how you're trying to, you know, pop out of a blind. And yeah, all kinds of great stuff. They get like almost 3,000 kids plus their parents out on a single day. Everything's free, free food, no entry fee, free parking. Every kid gets stuff duck calls, lures, I think like 250 fishing rods go out the door, t-shirts, it's crazy. So it feels like there could be a good fit with what you guys are doing and that activity and also help get your name out there to, you know, roughly 2,500 kids in one shot. Absolutely. I mean, it literally gives me the chills, like listening to you talk about what he's doing because, I mean, we need more things like that out there. We, we just do. And He's, he's doing great things for sure, and we will definitely be looking into that too. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to the Alexandria Trap Range, but it's a pretty big facility. I think they've got like 23 trap houses, and they're starting to get concerned about not having enough space between uh, parking and all the events and then like, you know, backstops. And, you know, if you shoot bows, you can only shoot this direction and guns shoot that direction, but then nothing can be behind them. And, yeah, it takes like a planning committee an entire year to throw off the event, and they have some wild sponsors. Like one of their best sponsors is Walmart. Really? That's yeah, Walmart crazy. sends like a busload of employees, and then also donates like I don't know some dollar per hour for every employee that they send to volunteer. So they get a huge check plus like twenty five volunteers to help out, and it is insane. Yeah, it's it's making some waves. I mean, it's helped their Pheasants Forever chapter win youth out youth chapter of the year and and overall chapter of the year um he's been on randy newberg's podcast for sharing about the event like he's he's doing some pretty cool things with it so it's exciting to see it grow yeah i think i'm going to be at the next one i've been busy the last two years but he asked me to do an antler scoring and shed hunting um activity there you go. Yeah, he's starting to push me. He knows I have sheds, so he's like, "Hey, I need to do a shed at a shed hunting activity." So, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, which I'm excited to see. So far, you guys have two records. Most people on a podcast and most sheds in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's another good way, like, to get your girlfriend or wife out there is to really just take her out shed hunting. She might be like. Why are we walking around for so many miles and we're not finding anything? But as soon as they find that first one, they're hooked again to do it. Yeah. Um, I think it, be smart, though, when you do it. And, and I say that from a like experience. So we our first shed hunting season was the first year of COVID. So everything was shut down except, like, North Dakota. You could go do whatever you want. Camp, travel, shed hunt, you know, you're outdoors. And so we did a lot of shed hunting that year and it was the worst year I've ever had. Uh, I found five sheds total, which is, I mean, I know a lot of people would love that, but it, you know, different places for different folks, that was not a good year for me. And we drove out to the Badlands four hours. We did 30 miles on one weekend. She got blisters on the first night, did a 16 mile day in a blizzard the next day with the blisters 
And then the Sunday morning, we were going to go out and do another one. And then exiting the hotel, they had a super heavy door, caught the wind, swung and hit her heel. Not only is this like a huge, heavy steel door, but it also hit like her blister. And she is just like, just like deflated instantly. She's like, I'm done. I'm not going anymore. And so I did a short walk while she took a nap in the truck. And we found one old yearling mule deer, like a chalker out of all 30 yeah. miles each. So if you're going to bring them shed hunting, I think it's a great thing to get people into. Like I would say shed hunting and antelope. Those are your, those are your tickets to get people into the outdoors. Just don't take them on like 30 mile adventures that you've never been before. Hoping to find, you know, a shed, <laughs> take them to like your best spot. That's a short walk first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did. We did 150 miles last year. Around me, but yeah. I think we did like 30 miles in North Dakota, oh. and it was like it was brutal. I mean, everyone goes like people find really good sheds in North Dakota, and we did we did a lot of miles, and I found one little like three inch hole. Oh yeah, I don't want to give the name away on the air, but I, I remember I sent you a name of a of a public, and I was like, hey, if you want to drive a little farther, you can go to this one. Did you guys ever make it up there? No, I, that's our plan this next year if you're interested. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely interested. I, I have that place dialed. I've been there three times. Every time I've gone, I've found more and more, and I've learned more and more about the spot. I found 20 in one weekend on the snowshoes. I was I was on, like, two feet of snow, and I did um, – it was actually ironic. I did 20 miles and found 20 sheds over the weekend. and um, But it was, like, February 6th. Like it was early. I know I walked over yeah. a bunch of them, and so yeah, it's a great, it's a beautiful place to go and camp. Um, I'm definitely going back for sure. So yeah, well, that'd be a great spot to meet up and do like a friends weekend. I mean, it's there's so much land there. It's not even like you couldn't walk it in the entire season, much less a weekend. Right. Yeah. 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 We went. We went up there like February, I think, and there was a lot of snow up there. Yeah, so that's it made it tough. Yeah, and I know the place you went. It's it's that's a tough place, even if there's not a lot of snow. It's tough to get on a pattern there. Yeah, I you I've scouted it and hunted it before because I used to live in Fargo, and I gave up. I gave up on that spot. Found different spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got we got a buddy up there. He consistently has really nice gear, and he finds some pretty big sheds there. Is he on private? So, no, he's on public. Okay. He's got it pretty dialed, but. And we, we ended up, we were actually walking with Mike from Shields Outdoors. We oh, Mike Anderson? Yep. We went up there and we met up with him and we were doing kind of like a Shields shed hunting video. And it was really early, so. At Stickleset? What was that? Were you at Stickleset? The lodge? There's a huge lodge? No. No, we just oh, we okay. stayed right in. Right in Fargo. Right in Fargo at a hotel and we met up with him there. Okay, because Mike also leads a big youth shed hunt down at a, a private pheasant lodge down in, like, Fort Ransom. It's pretty cool. I did it one year, but it's more for the youth. I felt kind of bad bringing me and my shed dog and then trying to, like, I don't know, I'm 6'2". I could outstride all of these toddlers, but, you know, it's, it's meant for the kids. So I don't. I let the kids yeah. do that one now. Yeah, no, we, we at least found the one with him, and then we ended up meeting up with that buddy I was telling you about, 
and we were actually at one of his spots that he goes to, and he usually finds pretty big ones in there, and I showed him where I found it. He, he thought it was hilarious that I even found it with two feet of snow on the ground. But. Is your buddy's name Luke by chance? No. Oh, um, shoot. Casey. Okay. Uh, there's a Luke yeah. Snow that runs Hitless Whitetails that lives in Fargo. Oh, man. That I met on a public down in that area. <laughs> it's a popular area yeah it is well the nice thing about fargo is it's it's like a i don't know it's a town that's got a lot more people like us in it but the bad part it's also a town that's got a lot more people like us in it (laughs) yeah yeah so that's awesome that's awesome you know you're doing all this stuff right you're doing the the behind the blind beyond the boundaries sounds like you're still shooting a couple weddings you're doing product content creation yet you're still trying to find time to get in your own hunting and fishing are you ever having challenges like fitting it all in and and trying not to feel overwhelmed or how do you guys how do you guys like bracket out your time and make sure everything gets its share we definitely use google calendar a lot for our life that was something that this last year we started incorporating we're like you know what we need to put our entire life like in this calendar so I would say that's definitely how we stay organized with everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are times where we get a little overwhelmed. And I think during those times, we remember that like we need to take care of ourselves too. So if that's, you know, even just going out like in the stand without the camera and just, you know, taking a break for a second and just you know, taking it in nature and not focusing on getting everything on film and, uh, and doing it that way. But, yeah, it's- there's definitely times where we get overwhelmed. Like, we just kind of sit there and we're like, oh, like, we just need a break. It's like, what it turns out to be. It's like, trying to do all of this and all of this at the same time. It's like, I'm going to sit down and make a plan. It's like, okay, tonight we're going to work on this. And then tomorrow we're going to get a night off. <laughs> and then just kind of take it day by day. But in the end, what drives us is our end goal. Our end goal is that people know what it is. You want to get anywhere, and then bust your butt. So. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, the whole reason why I started the podcast was to, you know, it's not going to be something huge right off the bat, but it's something I want to build towards so that way I can actually get to the end goal because you're never going to make it unless you start. And I'm sure you guys both believe that too. Sounds like you guys have started plenty of things and have some pretty cool goals to strive towards. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So is there any, any big plans for the remainder of the season? I know you guys started off big with a couple trips out West. Are you going to keep it local for the rest of the year? Do you have any other trips planned? Um, no, that was our two big ones. The uh, antelope and the elk. And now we're just focusing on, uh, Getting a couple does in the freezer, he got hurt by unslapping the handgun. And then, uh, then it'll just be waiting on shoot his up and just, you know, do it, I guess. And then, before you know it, it'll be shed season again. We were driving through South Dakota and there was a hill with some nice cedars on it and everything. I'm driving, he's in the passenger seat, and just here without the biggest size. I was like, what is wrong? And she like started laughing to herself and then she's like, I was just I miss shed season. <laughs> I miss shed season too. I uh yeah. 
I like shed season almost as much as hunting season, as you can tell from my backdrop. And honestly, even though we have private land in Minnesota, I bet 95% of all of those sheds came out of North Dakota and South Dakota. I think two on our wall back there on private. The rest of them are all public land. Like, that one was there. I don't remember. Yeah, I was eyeing up that one earlier. Double forks, mainframe 10. Yeah, that's her. But she didn't want to go out that day for the train. And I said, we're going shed hunting. And sure, sure enough, she pulled out a bait on the side. That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I appreciate your guys' time. I love hearing your guys' story. Like I said, you're the first couple that I've had on. You're the first people that are doing content creation. I kind of broke in three different streams, right? Products, services, content creation. And so it's really cool to hear how you guys have built it together. I think that's a big aspect of, you know, a lot of people would love to have a partner in what they're doing, not only in life, but in the outdoors and in business. So it sounds like it's something kind of like the, the, the trinity you got going on right now. And I think that's really cool. So... I love it. I love um, I love your guys' story, and, and I hope to follow along and see you guys hit some of those goals you talked about and hopefully line up a shed hunt so we can we can go find some monsters out in North Dakota. Oh, we will definitely need to line up a shed hunt. Yeah. We're yeah. just as crazy about shed hunting as hunting. So. We have some shed farms here. We're going to go out west and ride in shed. I don't know if you see this video at all. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll definitely do. I'll take on the guide role for North Dakota. Um, I've seen Shed Rise and Shed. I'm trying to get Shed Crazy, Ben Denamani, on the podcast. I got I've got, I've met two people now that know him, so I'm feeling like I should be able to leverage a connection here. And I've, I've been told that we are like doppelgangers, so, um, yeah, yeah, pretty close. We're working on that. Well, hopefully. Fingers crossed. He's really busy. I was going to yeah. try to get him on before the season, and he texted me, and we shot some dates, and it didn't work out. So um, maybe in the off season, but but awesome. I appreciate your guys' time. I'll get, uh, be respectful and let you guys get back to your evening, but thanks for hopping on and sharing your story. Yeah, thank you for having us and letting us share our story, and we'll keep following along on your podcast. So shoot something we'll be back on hopefully <laughs> yes can't wait awesome yeah. well thanks everybody